Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to Cafecito con Estrellita. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hola mi gente, welcome back to Cafecito con Estrellita. I hope you're doing well this week. Now mi gente, you know what time it is. It's our interview episode for the week and we're going to go ahead and start off our conversation with Albert Santana. He's a very good friend of mine that I met back in the 9 to 5 world and well before I continued on with my program over here where I'm at. But anyways, Albert's background is that he went to Cal State Fullerton, received his bachelor's degree in philosophy, but believe me, mi gente, the first gen struggle, it was real. So we're going to kick off this episode talking about that first gen struggle. And uh, I'm excited for all of you to tune in. So I'll let this episode speak for itself. Yeah. So a lot of it was extremely uninformed, you know, as, as first gens do. But, you know, at the end of the day, I don't really regret any of it because, you know, it turned me into the person that I am now. But yeah, I started my, you know, collegiate career, I guess you could say, in a uh, four-year private college in uh, Indiana, of all places. And I am, you know, a Southern California boy. And uh, Indiana was a culture shock, you know, and I was over there because, you know, I had a scholarship, you know, everyone was like, hey, like, you're going to make it, you're going to go places, look at this private college, it's so fancy. And I was like, yeah, I, I believe it. I'm me. I'm cool. Like, and it just was, it was not the business for me. Like, you know, we didn't mesh like culturally, we didn't mesh financially more than anything. Cause you know, like for a lot of first gens, like you hear that, like, Hey, you've got a full ride, you've got a scholarship, like you can afford college. And it's like, yeah, if you can afford to live, but like a lot of us can't, you know, which is like kind of crazy to say like, Hey, I can't afford to live, but you know, some of us find ourselves in situations where, you know, we're, we're, our parents barely make enough to make ends meet. And then you add in, you know, flights, you add in books, you add in living expenses, you add in like not existing in a box and like going out with your friends, you know, which is like, oh, it sounds so petty, but it's like, hey, I'm a person, like I deserve to live an experience, you know? And you start realizing you know, or at least I did, I found that to be my experience. It's like, oh, I can't actually afford this. You know, I can't actually do it. Like on paper, I can afford it, but, but in practice, no, I can't. And so, you know, I had a good time. I joined a frat. I almost got arrested, all that fun stuff. But <laughs> True story, but we don't talk about that. Um, but, you know, I decided that it wasn't for me. I did the math. And, you know, I was like, at this rate, I'm going to be in an enormous amount of debt. And I wasn't getting the experience that I should have out of it. I mean, I was getting like the whole like college life. No, the connections that I was, I was making in Indiana, like I wasn't going to bring back with me. I didn't want to live out there. Like I went out there because I wanted to go out and be my own person. But like, I don't want to, I didn't want to live out there. I didn't want to make the connections. I wanted to be here in Southern California. No, of course. And then, I mean, like Luna and Michelle are here. So what would you be doing over there? I mean, I don't think he had Luna at the time, which by the way, Luna is his wonderful, gorgeous pit bull. Ah, I just love her name. Can you share oh, a little bit about Luna? Oh, okay. So Luna is a 54 pound uh, blue nose pit bull. She is like super adorable. She's kind of crazy, but like, 
that's why she's cool, you know? Yeah. No, definitely. <laughs> no, of course. And then um, a little bit about Michelle, too. I know she's also first gen. Yeah. So, yeah, Michelle is my wife. She's a geologist, which is, like, super impressive. Everybody's always like, oh, like, you know, an educator is cool and all, but, like, your wife is a scientist, yo. And I'm like, yeah, she is. That's pretty cool. And, yeah, I mean, like, we both kind of, you know, struggled through the college life together and we were kind of figuring things out together and she was you know always had my back and kind of like pushing me to like hey you you can't just like wallow in self-pity and like be sad all the time like you <laughs> I totally love that and of course so why would you want to stay in Indiana when like Michelle was over here and then Luna <laughs> yeah 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 no so I came back after a semester out there because it was just like not working out for a variety of reasons. And I came to a community college here in Santa Ana, uh, Santa Ana College or Santa Ana College. And like, honestly, and like looking back at it, my, my viewpoint has completely changed. But in the moment, I felt like a massive failure. Like I felt like a total loser because like, you know, what I had been told by my teachers, by my counselors, by, you know, people that I looked up to was that Santa Ana College is for burnouts and losers, you know, which is totally not the case at all whatsoever. And I really hate that stigma around community colleges uh, because, you know, let's face it, that stigma is there because community colleges are for poor people. And, you know, we hate those here in America. So we hate community colleges. And so, you know, I felt like, you know, like, oh, man, I didn't make it. I'm letting my parents down. I'm letting myself down. I'm letting my community down. I'm letting my teachers down. But, you know, it's actually just such a great experience. And it's such a good, like, it's, it's a good place to be in because it allows you to figure yourself out as you continue to study. And then it, like, frees up, you know, your time. Because you're not, like, 24-7 living the college life. Like, you can work. You can be with your friends and family. You can, you know, continue to be a person outside of just being a college student. No, of course. And something that you and I were talking a little bit about um, backstage was the fact that a lot of the times these counselors, which I know at the end of the day, they're doing their job. But when they say, hey, go to this four year, they do it more to make themselves look good. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, for sure. So you've got to understand that, you know, everybody's got their own motivations for doing things. And yes, you know, a lot of counselors are doing their job because, you know, they care about the community and they care about students and they want to help as much as they can. But at the end of the day, you know, the situation that I was in, you know, it's like I had this middle aged white guy who came from a different background from me, which I'm sure he was doing the best job that he possibly could to his ability but he didn't really have the knowledge of what was going on in my life, you know, because he, he saw, you know, this scholarship and was like, this is a great deal. Why would you not take this? You'd be a fool to not go out to Indiana and, you know, take this scholarship. But, you know, it, it never occurred to him that, you know, th the background that I came from, like, the things that he took for a given of like, of course, this this boy's parents can pay for his flights. Of course, this, you know, this guy's parents can afford to send him money so he can eat. Of course, this, you know, you know, all of these things that he took for granted, I did not have, you know. And so 
it, it just was not taken into account in the least bit. And then also it wasn't taken into account that I was not going to fit in culturally in this place that was like completely different from anything that I had ever seen. And so, you know, that kind of thing hurt me academically because I was not just learning things at school. I was learning, you know, a whole entire new social etiquette. So that, that takes a lot of, you know, cognitive capacity. And so I wasn't doing, I mean, I never did like actively bad at school, but I definitely wasn't, you know, being the best student that I possibly could have in that setting. No, of course. And it's so interesting because, well, shout out to our friend slash old coworker, but more friend, Claudia. Um, She had told me this that I shared with you and I was like, wow, like so mind shocked. But it's like, you could literally like be working somewhere that's predominantly Caucasian, like in your case was Indiana. Mm -hmm. Or for me, I've spent time in Irvine, just, you know, those types of places. And you could be the only brown person there or like minority background. And yeah, you're living the dream like, oh, you're in the higher end, but you're just not comfortable because Mm -hmm. you just, you feel more grounded when you're with your people, you know, what are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, no, I can definitely see that. And just speaking on like the role models and authority figures that I had in, in high school, a lot of them, you know, were like, hey, you're special, you can make it up out of here, you can leave this, you know, place behind, like talking about like, hey, you're serving these kids in this community, and you're talking down to the community. And even like, teachers that came from here, you know, like I had a teacher, a high school teacher who was from Santa Ana. And you know, he was like, Oh, I grew up poor too. I'm from here. Like you guys deserve better. You can leave and go somewhere else. It's like, dude, this is where you're from. Like, why are you condescending it? You know, like, that's not cool. And, you know, a lot of us, you know, we internalize that mindset of like, oh, where I'm at is trash. I need to go. I need to go be better. I need to go somewhere else because here it sucks. And all of these, you know, all this chusma around me, like I'm better than them. And it's like, bro, that's you. Like, this is where you're from. Like, you shouldn't want to leave all of those people behind. You should want to better the place that you're in so that everybody has a chance, you know, to make it or, you know, just do better. No, of course. And I think it goes back. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, it's a place full of opinions. But I think it also goes back with the fact that people, specifically Latinos, first generation wise, um, they have a hard time not being American enough, but also not being Latino enough. Yeah, it's a it's a totally liminal space that we inhabit where you're kind of balancing like, OK, there's this like community aspect of, you know, Latino the Latino experience where it's like all of these, you know, like the dreams of your whole entire family are like riding on your back. And then you've got like fighting with that, this like rugged American individualism that gets kind of force fed down your throat and everything that you see. And like those things don't mesh really. I mean, not, not on a surface level. And so you feel like kind of torn behind like, okay, should I just like abandon everybody and you know become this like bougie coconut or should I like stay here and then like you know be you know attached to like all this giant family and all I have to you know help everybody I gotta help everybody at the hood I gotta help you know my mom pay her bills I gotta help my tia because you know Theo just was not in an accident now he's in the hospital I gotta pay my cousin's bills like oh you know like all of these things And it's just like, yo, I'm just one person. I can't be Superman. Like, I can't do everything for everybody. And you, 
it's just, it's, it's a frustrating experience. No, it is. And I'm so glad that you brought this up because so, I mean, I myself, I mean, that's how I found myself up here in Cowtown. No regrets though, because it kind of worked out for me in the long run and my family that's up here too. Mm -hmm. However, what I was going to say is that so many first gen, especially like, again, Latinx based, they struggle with like trying to help themselves Mm-hmm. but still helping La Familia. Right. And that carries on when you're trying to, well, make money as a college student mm-hmm. and also like trying to do well in academics. Right. And it's frustrating because then if you don't have the help La Familia, oh, you don't care about them. Right. And it's And I feel like a lot of us carry that struggle because either we've seen or we've experienced the sacrifices our parents made to right. be here. Yeah. And it's like, you know... At the end of the like, I love my parents. They're wonderful people. They made me who I am. Like, I have nothing but respect and love for everything that they've done for me. But I don't want to be them in the sense, which I know it's like sacrilege. Like, oh, you can't say that. Like, familia is everything. But like, I don't want to be my parents because all, all I've ever seen them do is like struggle and sacrifice and suffer, you know? And why would you set, you know, your life up for suffering? You know what I mean? Like, and it's also, you're not in the same space that they, they are. Because, like, my parents, you know, are immigrants. They came over here. They were struggling to survive, like, to eat, you know, to make ends meet. We are blessed with, you know, opportunities where we're no longer in that space of, like, having to survive. Or, you know, I personally am, you know, not everybody is, but... You know, once you're outside of that survival mind state, like that grind, that struggle, that 24-7, you know, kind of thing where it's like all I got to do is just make things happen. It's not healthy. It's not healthy in the least bit. Like, you know, poverty is not a healthy mind state to be in. And once you get out of that, you can't just stay like that. You can't stay with that same mindset. No, definitely. And I agree a hundred percent, especially like to continue moving forward for yourself and well, future family, if you choose to have one. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's yeah. in general too, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just, you know, I know the human experience is like suffering, so you're never going to escape <laughs> that. <laughs> just suffering at different levels. It's so at funny. Me, I'll oh, go on, go on. Yeah. No, all I'm trying to say is like, yeah, you're not going to escape that, but also don't set yourself up for it, you know? No, of course, definitely. And it was funny, mi gente, because I was talking, again, backstage with Albert, and I was <laughs> I was laughing because he is literally one of the funniest people I've ever met, and he says his jokes reside from, <laughs> oh my gosh, reside from, like, you know, him having to deal with certain things. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, my brand of humor, I'm not, you know, going to talk like I'm some sort of like expert comedian or anything but I find in my in my experience that like a lot of humor comes from a place of like pain and suffering you know like I'm over here just saying like oh yeah like you know or even just thinking like all all the you know all the funny memes that you always share it's like oh mi mama con la chancla oh remember eating frijoles for like two months straight it's funny to say but if you stop and think about it like a lot of things that we find funny are depressing like super 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 sad but you know that that's just kind of how that's kind of how humans are you know like we take something that really should hurt and really should like you know just make you want to break down and cry and we laugh about it you know which is pretty dope i think no i get you and it's so funny because i really admire your sense of humor because i feel like 
at least based on your actions, it plays a factor as in why you're so in tune with your emotions as a man. Because I rem- so at the school district I'm, I work at right now, mm-hmm. um, one of my colleagues had, um, <laughs> he had mentioned to me once that he's like, yeah, well, it's because here's the thing, Estrellita. I'm one of the weird guys because I understand emotions. I, I understand my why, like just things like that. Right. And then I was like, yeah, because he's like, yeah, because the normal guys until they reach maturity are the ones that are like machista or the ones that like, you know, you know, so I don't know. What are your thoughts on all that? Like how you're so emotionally intuitive and machismo, like things like that. That has come from a place of failure, honestly, like failure after failure after failure. Like I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I understand the female experience because I don't. It's not something that I've lived, but I've found the, you know, male Latino experience to be extremely difficult. Like, it just straight up sucks. Like, the sexism that we have to endure from people that we love, like our parents, is just straight up hurtful. Like, I remember, you know, my parents thinking that I was gay because I cried a lot as a little kid. And it's like, first of all, there's nothing wrong with being gay. Second of all, there's nothing wrong with boys crying, you know, like, yo, I'm sorry. I don't like soccer and I don't like to play sports. Like I like to sit at home and read and I like talking about my feelings. Like it's just been a struggle to kind of unlearn all of those cultural norms and becoming comfortable in my own skin and becoming comfortable with being like, Hey, you know what? I'm sad like a lot right now. Or like, Hey, you know what, what you did made me angry instead of like punching a hole in a wall or something, you know, which is like not a healthy way to express that. But also like no one ever teaches us to be like, Hey, I'm mad at you right now. What you did hurt my feelings. Like whoever says that in the Latino space, like you don't really hear that until like our generation, I feel like. And I agree with you a hundred percent. Cause okay. Even though I am a woman, I'm not going to lie. It's like, I was never really allowed to cry. Like I could cry, but not if that makes sense. You no, know what yeah. I mean? Because it's like, te voy a dar algo de llorar si sigues llorando. Like, mm-hmm. think- <laughs> no, I, I, I've seen it. And like, it's, it's also like, you know, it's hurtful for women, but in a different way. Because women get treated, or at least I've seen, you know, that women get treated like their emotions aren't valid because they're hysterical. Where it's like, oh, you're crying, but it's chillona. Llora por lo que sea, you know? And mm-hmm. men don't get allowed to cry, but women get their cries silenced is what I see. Oh, yeah, definitely. And like you said, it's just, it's not healthy. And it's so crazy because I agree with you 100%. A lot of failures, you know how you said that had led you to be more emotionally intuitive? I mm-hmm. feel like that had happened for me too. Because here's the thing, Albert, although I've always been Disneyland on two feet, mm-hmm. It sometimes was at a level where I don't want to say it was unhealthy, but it was just like, she's too happy all the time, if that makes sense. Like, I would get sad, but uh-huh. I would brush it off with like, I guess the popular term nowadays is toxic positivity. I haven't researched much about it, though, because, well, the pandemic just makes me do certain things, makes me not do certain things, right. if that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, but it wasn't until I had the biggest failures that, well, I overcome and I'm now here in my life with my cows right outside. <laughs> but that's when I'm just like, now I'm like, I've 
I even find myself being way more nicer to me where like I still meet my workaholic needs because I've always been one. But if there's a day where I'm like, I don't want to do nothing. I just want to look at TikTok for two hours. I'll do that. Do it. Do it. It's so important to let yourself fail. Like it's something that we're not afforded, you know, as like first generation, you know, Mexican Americans, first generation, like Latinos, it's like, hey, like you've got the dreams of your whole entire pueblo riding on you. You cannot fail. You cannot fail. Your father, you know, walked for months, you know, across the border. Like, how dare you fail? No, you can't fail. Your mom, you know, lived by herself for this long. Like, you cannot fail. But like everybody else gets to fail time after time after time after time and it's like yo how come i can't mess up like why can't i get you know super drunk and like go and say something to somebody else and it's like oh no now the world's over like oh i thought albert was perfect he's so educated look at him now he's a drunken mess like why not like everybody else gets to do it why not us you know like it's an important part of life is to mess up and then you pick yourself up and then you form a new you that's like 0.05% better and then you fail again and you make yourself like you know 0.0005% better and then sometimes you regress and you don't make yourself better but you learn from that and you keep moving on but we don't get taught that that's a thing that we can do because you know we don't allow ourselves to fail no of course and I'm pretty sure everything that you're saying in regards to not allowing yourselves to feel I'm sure there's a other brown like minority groups that go through that yeah yeah. That I only know the Latinx experience. Yeah. But it's that it's that that culture of like surviving, of like, yo, we have to survive. You have to do every single thing you possibly can to survive, which is useful <laughs> in that context of survival. But once or if you move into somewhere where instead of surviving, you're trying to thrive, that mindset does not work in the least bit. And it's actually harmful. No, of course. And I agree 100%. And speaking of surviving, oh my goodness, Albert, based on your undergrad story and the fact that you did landscaping as an undergrad while also holding the roles as a boyfriend at the time, it's like, Albert, please just talk talk all about that. This is your time to shine, boo. You're going to be impacting so many lives with your experiences, but go on. All right. So to pay for my degree, you know, on the weekend. So Friday, Saturday, I would go to school Monday through Thursday, but Friday and Saturday, I was out there being a jardinero, like no landscaping. Cause landscaping is like, you know, those fancy companies where they like, you know, prune like bonsai trees or whatever. Like, no, I was out there like putting in work, like, you know, mowing lawns, chopping down trees, digging ditches, you know, throwing out my back, like hard work. And like, on one on sense, in one way of thinking about it, like it was a great success for me because I managed to, you know, get a bachelor's degree with zero debt behind me, you know, which is like super great for my mental health because I don't have to worry about paying any student loans off. It's like now I'm over here at 27 thinking about maybe buying a house, which I wouldn't be able to do if I had, you know, like 30 grand of debt, you know, over my head. But, you know, Something that I didn't realize would end up hurting me was the fact that I didn't get, you know, I didn't get the most that I could have out of the college experience. Because 
no one tells us what the point of college is, you know, as first gen students, you know, you, they tell you like, hey, get good grades in high school so you can go to college so that you can get a good job so that you can live life or whatever. But like no one tells us that part of the point of going to college is like, hey, you need to make academic and, you know, professional connections. You need to meet people. You need to socialize. Like socializing is important. But you don't think that because you're like, hey, I need to survive. I need to survive. I need to survive. I need to work. I need to study. I need to go to class. I need to survive, 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 survive. So I didn't do any of that. I would go to class, do my homework, go home, rinse, repeat, go to work, no parties, no nothing like that. It was, it was a hard time in my life. And I was thinking the whole time, like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm working hard. This is good. I'm working hard. This is good. I'm working hard. This is good. But, but I, I found myself graduating with a philosophy degree, which no one told me like, Oh, also like the point of college is like, maybe learn something that'll get you connections in the job field. No one told me that. And so I have a, you know, I'm super thankful for my philosophy degree because it's taught me to be a better person but it's made getting a job rather difficult for me. And so I graduated and I'm just like, but I did the thing. I did what I was supposed to. I I got a degree. What do you mean? No one's going to hire me. What do you mean? There's no philosophy factories to work in. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And, you know, thankfully, you know, people in my life kind of pushed me to, you know, like, Hey, you know, they'll literally let anybody be a substitute teacher all you got to do is like pass the C-Best and like, you know, do a couple of things. And then there you go. You've got a job now. You're in the education field and, you know, maybe you can get some work experience and then maybe people will, will start hiring you. But like, I feel like I set myself back because I did all of this work and then ended up in a place where I had nothing to show for it. No, of course. And oh, Albert, and based on everything that you've learned, Mm-hmm. how have you like what have you done with that knowledge now have you shared it with other people have you like continue to research on it to see like w- the types of things you could avoid if you ever choose grad school in the future yeah well I mean I've kind of shared it you know with my siblings I I, I can't really say that I have that large of a footprint in the world and part of it is by design because I am a very you know introverted person which I know <laughs> someone out there is laughing because they're like no you're not you're on a podcast and you do music and you play shows and it's like but yeah okay maybe, <laughs> sure. but I'm also like a huge introvert and you know I don't really have that big of a footprint in the world but like in my space of people that I interact with mainly being you know siblings and family I'm like hey connections and socializing is important in college like you know I'm so happy that you know my brother and my sister didn't have to go through the failures that I did because I, you know, I gave them a shortcut of like, Hey, maybe like, don't work. Like my landscaping job, the jardinero job, it paid a lot better than, you know, anything else that you would typically work at as an, you know, undergrad did, you know, it paid a lot more and it, a lot, you know, afforded me a lot of luxuries, but it did nothing for me professionally. And so, Thankfully, they didn't have that major setback that I had. No, of course. And no worries, boo. I totally get you in the sense where I shared with you before in the past. And if any of you watch my Instagram reels, you've seen that as a transfer student, when I first 
well, transferred. I had a 1.2 GPA, academic probation, all that hot stuff. So once my younger sister, well, I have two younger sisters. Once the now 21-year-old started community college and the other one's getting closer to potentially go to community college, she doesn't know if she wants a four-year yet, though. I'm like, hey, don't do this. Don't do that. I even tell mm-hmm. the little one, don't take AP classes if you could take community college classes instead. Right. <laughs> Yeah. And it's just like all of this little info, all of this context, all of this, you know, background noise that we don't have the luxury of having because like, hey, no one else that I know went to college. No one else that I know was a working professional. Like navigating the working world has been so difficult because like I literally don't know anyone else who's done or existed in this space and it's like really difficult but at least you know the things that I'm learning you know the boneheaded way the hard way you know with, through failure I can you know spread through the little influence that I have in the world you know no of course but Albert you're truly making a difference and even though you weren't able to make the connections you would have wanted during your undergrad experience, you still made it in the workforce or now you're in a leadership role and still making music, still doing your, you know, your mental health necessities and all that good stuff. You know, do you yeah. still watch a lot of anime? I watch a ridiculous amount of anime, you know, which is like, I find like, it's the story of my life of, of you know, as being like, you know, a Mexican American, like, inhabiting that liminal space of like being a weirdo like I never fit in with anything and like now I'm so happy that like you know that like Mexican anime space is like becoming like bigger because it's just like hey like no one has to feel like a weirdo like I did you know no one has to get beat up like I did in middle school so it's a good time no of course and (laughs) speaking of (laughs) speaking of you know you're talking a little bit like you're a weirdo but you work really hard and whatnot okay so I have to ask, are you are you willing to share a story that I want to ask if you could share? It goes back to an elective you took while you were being a landscaper. Oh, are you talking about <laughs> the only class that I have ever failed in my whole entire life? Oh, man, I get so heated just thinking about this. But yeah, I can tell the story. All right. So he's a great storyteller, everyone. <laughs> I try. Um, so, you know, working in landscape was, was physically taxing and you know at one point I was helping dig a ditch for you know for a little uh, sprinkler system and I you know pulled a muscle and threw on my back and so I get a doctor's note which by the way you know the experience of going to the to the doctor as somebody who didn't have insurance at the time was like terrifying and you know uh, insurance should be a human right so just putting that out there but anyways you know it was like okay, I've got a doctor's note. I go to all my classes and I'm like, hey, sorry, I've been out, but like I've been on muscle relaxants and painkillers and I'm literally like brain dead. But, you know, can't be here. Everybody, all my academic classes were like wonderful about it. They were super understanding, except, except for, (laughs) I was taking this pottery class. I was taking it so that I would still be a full-time student because it was my last semester before I got my degree and I was taking it so that I could still be a full-time student and, you know, get financial aid. And so I thought, Hey, what, you know, what would be cool learning how to do pottery. This was the one class that was like, 
um, no, this is a this is a class where you need to be here and you need to do the work. You need to be actively making, you know, bases and whatever. And so I'm like, bro, my back is like not here. It's like it's visiting, you know, my tío in Mexico. Like it's not here. Like my back is gone. I can't be. For those of you who have never done pottery, it's a very back intensive thing to do. Like you've got to put in work and you've got to, you know, put your back into it can't do that if your back is like hurting 24 7 and so I failed this class the only class that I've ever failed in my whole entire life and it was because of me having to work you know to be able to afford to live and I feel like that's just like so emblematic of like my whole entire college experience is like me having to put like you know surviving ahead of being able to thrive no, of course. And oh my gosh, you know, I still remember so many of your stories. I'm telling you everyone, he's, he's a really good storyteller. I'm, you should consider doing a podcast one day. You'd be really great at it. I mean, you're already a great musician. Yeah, I know it would be, it would be fun. Sometimes I've, I've even considered like, maybe I should look into doing stand up, but it, I've got too much on my plate. Like music, no, of yeah, music takes a lot of like, effort and time for me and it's something that like I love doing not because I'm like at all successful at it because like, <laughs> I just play like you know like shows at like bars or you know open mics or whatever but it's something that you know I get meaning out of and you know I feel like you know having a job is like cool and all and like a lot of us you know we, we were like hey we need to get this like cool job so that I can you know be a success and everything but you know, your job doesn't care about you. It's not an identity. You know, you've got to find something that doesn't concern you making money and like do it because it's you, because it makes you happy, because you get meaning out of it. And I feel like so many of us get caught up in like this, like make it, I got to make it. I've got to go to college. I've got to get a job. I've got to become, you know, important. I've got to, you know, do all of this to make, you know, everybody proud. And then you get there and you're like, oh, this doesn't make me happy it, like at all. It doesn't give me any meaning at all. Like, oh, capitalism sucks. Like, oh, what about me? Like, where do I fit in in all of this giant mess? No, of course. And it's so crazy that you bring that up because I was literally thinking about this the other day, identity and whatnot. So <laughs> you know how most... Um, we're millennials, right? I know that may sound silly, silly, but we're millennials, right? I think so. I'm 27. You're like a little bit younger than me. I'm 25. I think you're either like right on the cusp of it or I don't know. I don't know how the rules of that go, but you're somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're not experts in that. We're only experts of our experiences. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyway, so, okay, so obviously our hustles, our grinds have been very different, but we have also been fortunate enough to know and separate, like, work's not our whole identity, or, like, our side hustles aren't our whole identity. I mean, I learned that after moving here, but you get the point. Now, when I think back to, like, our parents, mm -hmm. that once they got here, their whole thing was just work, 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 work to have a house, Right. And then once they get that house and they pushed out everything, they pushed out mental health, they pushed out hanging out with the family, like not just on like once a year, just things like that. And then I just try and imagine how they felt when they finally got their house, they finally filled it up and they're like, wait, I don't have friends or like 
really close family members, I can fully share this with. Right. If that makes sense. What do you and think I, about that? No, it's it's like it's so weird to see because yeah, my parents just finished paying off their house like five years ago, I wanna say. And it was just so weird to see like my dad who's been this stoic, you know, typical, you know, Mexican man, you know, with the bushy mustache and everything. Like you picture your, your typical like Jalisqueño, that's my dad, grind all the time, work hard, provide for the family, all of this thing. And then he just like did it and he was just kind of like, oh man, like what do I do with my life? And like, for him, you know, he found meaning in like, you know, religion and all of that, which, you know, his, his, you know, I don't have anything against religion, but that doesn't do it for me, like in the least bit. And so, you know, it's just so weird to kind of see like a flash of your future of being like, is that, is that it? Like, am I going to get to be like 50 and then just stand back and look at my life and be like, all I have is work for the past so many years. And it's like, bro, you only live once and you look back at it and you're just like, oh, I wasted it. That's terrifying to me. Like, that's why I'm over here. Like, my motto is like, hey, if you don't need to do it, like, don't do it. Because what's the point? It's your life. Live it how you want to. Obviously, given that you're not hurting anybody else or anything like that. But like, live the life that you want to lead. Like, and sometimes it's not working that high power job that's like super successful. Sometimes it's okay to stay somewhere that fulfills you, but doesn't pay that well. You know, sometimes it's okay to stay with your family if that's what you want to do. Sometimes it's okay to leave your family if that's what you want to do. But like we have all these giant expectations from our family, from capitalism, from being American enough, from being too American, from all of these crazy things. And it's like, yo, like, I'm just this giant ball of anxieties. Leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) No, I totally get you. And I'm going to tell you something, Albert. I did not. I'm very grateful that the age that I am, 25. But last year when it hit me, I was 24. But I'm very grateful that it hit me in the sense where, like I told you, I've always been a workaholic. I have workaholic tendencies that need to be fulfilled or I go crazy. That is just me. I God only knows why, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, but after, you know, the passing of my uncle and whatnot, like every day when I go to sleep and not in like a cynical way, I literally am like, I might not wake up tomorrow. So I got to make sure I'm living. I am living and enjoying. And I have these thoughts at night, Albert. But you would never think that because when I wake up, I'm like, hello, you know, but obviously if I'm not like feeling it completely that day, I'll acknowledge my feelings. But most of the time I'm still Disneyland on two feet, if you know what I mean. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Do you ever, do you ever have that? I don't know how to explain it, but it's like, dang, like you may not be here tomorrow. Yeah. What do you even do about it? Death is a huge part of the human experience, which is funny because we never experience it. It's something that happens, you know, the thing that you become, the object that you leave behind. But it it really is like, you know, everything that you do is because it's like, oh, well, I need to do this thing because, you know, once I'm dead, like 
whatever it's over you know r.i.p or something like that but it's just like yeah this relationship that we have with death is like it was an obsession of mine for like the longest time like i have you know like a you know a kalaka death you know thing yeah, i remember on. yeah because it's just like it is such a big facet of life and everybody's so like scared of it everybody's like terrified of you know like hey don't talk about that like hey you know leave that alone like oh la miedo or whatever but it's like it's not a negative thing if you really sit down and you think about it it's not a negative thing because it's what drives you to be the person that you want to be it's what drives you to like experience the things that you want to experience it's what drives you to give meaning to things because once it's all over that meaning is gone but it's like that flash in the pan of like, oh, I exist right now. Let's, you know, let, let's experience this the way that I want to experience it. No, of course. And I love the fact that you bring that up because as we've talked about this entire episode, first gen have so much on their back, specifically mm-hmm. from our Latinx background. So I just want them all to know and just keep doing what it is that makes you happy as long as you're not hurting anyone, just like Albert said. But, you know, take your breaks. Enjoy your life. Feel free to travel during the summers when you're not taking classes instead of working like 50 hours at your diner or whatnot, you know? Because once you graduate, you're going to get to that job and then you're going to realize, or at least I realized in, you know, this year with the pandemic, which has sucked, by the way, but I realized, you know, like, hey, your job straight up does not care about you, like in the least bit. Like maybe the people that you work with, you know, maybe you've got a supervisor who's chill because I know I for sure have had them. And, you know, maybe you've got a lot of coworkers that are like your, you know, really close friends and you forge, you know, lifelong bonds with them. Like, cool, cool, cool. But like a job, a company is like not the people that make it up. You know, a job is an entity that's there to make money and to preserve itself. And you don't fit in in that in any way that's meaningful besides you just providing them a service. And so, like, your job is not your identity. You know, maybe the things that you do in that job are helpful to the community. And maybe, you know, it gives you meaning to do all of those things. But at the end of the day, like, you could do that anywhere. You know, it doesn't have to be with that job. And again, remember, your job straight up does not care about you. Oh, yeah. And again, just like you mentioned, don't make your whole identity because, oh, let me just tell you, Albert, when I broke up with grad school back in SoCal, oh, my gosh, obviously that was tears. But and it still like would hurt me and stuff. But it's just like it also helped me remember and keep me grounded. Like school is not my identity. Yes, I've had it ingrained in me because it is my personal choice that, you know, you've heard me blab about forever. But it's my personal choice to get my EDD. Like it's going to happen. Like, you know, you'll come to my graduation with Michelle and Luna, but (laughs) whatever it may be. But, you know, so it's just like and that's where I think it goes back to like, I love the fact that you're bringing up also like identity first gen do what you want whether it's to go to grad school or not like you don't have to go to grad school it's a personal choice what do you think yeah and I know it feels like such a like an arbitrary distinction to make of like oh I'm doing it because everybody expects me to I'm doing it because the you know the systems the powers that be expect me to or I'm doing it because like I choose to give it meaning and it's like 
oh, okay, that's like not really that big of a deal. But it totally is because all that you are is this like giant collection of like thoughts and feelings and meanings. And what you give meaning to has a lot of power to you specifically, you know? And so it feels really, you know, dumb to just say like, oh, well, the way that you're approaching it matters, but it's not. It's like the most important thing. No, of course. And Albert, random question. What do you think of manifesting? I think it's a pretty interesting topic. I don't feel like it actually has any real world effect in like a scientific, you know, uh, way. But the human mind is like really amazing because even if things aren't factually real, the way that you think about it kind of really affects it it's kind of like thinking about you know like everybody was always talking about like the economy the economy the economy is doing well the economy is doing bad is not a real thing is this really weird abstract concept but it is a real thing because it affects so many things it's like a all controlling facet of our life and i feel like the human mind is like that a lot in the sense that like okay yeah if i think i can fly that's obviously not going to happen for real but you know if i think i'm dumb I'm going to be dumb because I've given myself this role to play or, you know, stuff like that. And so, yeah, it's just the brain is like really weird. And like, I don't 100% understand it and I don't claim to. And I think manifesting is this really weird thing. And it's like crazy. No, of course. And I just really wanted your feedback on it because I ain't going to lie, Albert. Of course, me and my girlfriends are like... We're going to manifest this and then it happens, but I know what you mean. But yeah. I also know like critical thinking plays a big factor too. And a lot of your life choices, my dad right. would call critical thinking as life smart. I'm sure you've heard that term before. Yeah, 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 for sure. And it's just, you know, I have personally just this aversion for like, you know, like, for lack of a better term, like spiritual juju type stuff. I don't know how to say it without sounding condescending because it's not something that I like, like, but that's just me personally. I like framing things in a way where it makes sense for me, but that's literally all that anyone ever does. It's just like, Hey, if you frame it in a way that it makes sense for you, if manifest works for you, then cool. You know, it's like, I don't have any beef with that. It's just for me, I like to pretend like I'm this like super analytical, logical person, even though that doesn't apply at all. And like, you know, dumbing the world down to that is reductive, but that's all that we can do with our puny human brains is just reduce the world to a way that we understand. No, of course. Cause I mean, it is our own world because it's the world we're living in. Yeah. Okay. One more random question. Just cause okay. like, I think me, I think you could tell like, he's just so good at storytelling and just like saying things the way just so so good so it's like I always ask him random things even back when we worked together but okay Albert what are your thoughts on zodiac signs do you have fun with them like yeah I think they're 100% hilarious they're like the funniest (laughs) thing to me first of all again not trying to you know put no bad vibes out there or whatever because i don't believe in them it they're like 100 you know like empirically speaking the movement of the stars has zero to no effect on your life but (laughs) 
it's a filter that you use to understand the world, which I can understand. I get it. You know, it's a filter that you use to understand the world. You ascribe meaning to whatever it is that you want to. Funnily enough, and you're going you're gonna to crack up when I say this. Lately, I have been getting into reading tarot cards. <laughs> I can see you trying not to laugh. Not because I believe that the random shuffling of, you know, cards has any effect on the world whatsoever, but because, A, I think it's super funny, and two, it's just, you know, it's just a filter that you apply to the world. So it's like, you know, you start seeing, you know, different symbols and you're just like, ah, I hadn't thought about it that way. Maybe I am being a little bit too obsessive with, you know, my dreams or whatever it is that you are. And it's just like, and if it doesn't work for you, then it's like, ah, well, you know, whatever. These cards are boo-boo. I don't care about them anyway. You know, that's just me. That's just me. Do you know your sign, though? The October one. Um, I'm not an expert. I literally only know mine and my sister's because, like, I don't say, I'm going to say zodiac signs are fun. However, just like you, it's not my whole identity, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. But nothing bad with it because they are fun. I mean, I mean that's why they exist because it's fun to be like, oh, I know everything about you just because you're a Capricorn. I'm a Capricorn. Right. Does that make sense? But yeah, so what's October? It's straight hilarious. And then, I mean, like I grew up on Walter Mercado, so like, you know, <laughs> like I'm not going to sit here and pretend like it hasn't had an effect on my life because like I've seen people become obsessed with it. And so that's why I think it's like super funny. It's like the funniest thing ever for me. And like, not in a disrespectful way. Like, I mean that in like, it genuinely brings like joy and amusement to my life. Oh my gosh. Okay, Albert. So obviously my, as all of you know, our intern Karina, she, you know, she chose in the back. She literally like is hearing our conversation and she Googled and you're a Libra. Yeah. That's why I'm so um, like calm and analytical is because of the, is that what Libras do? I don't know. I'm just kind of talking. I think, <laughs> I think Libras are calm. I could be wrong. I'm, I don't know. I just literally, all I know is like, for example, like with Capricorns, hold on. Mm-hmm. Wait, Karina's telling me something. What? Pisces are calm, but what's Albert? Tell it, look it up and tell us in two minutes. Let's see what she finds in two minutes. Right. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, all I know is for Capricorns, for example, we're hardworking and don't mess with us. Mm-hmm. which I mean, at least for me, I can relate to that. Cause it's like, yeah, you don't want to, me- I know I'm very nice, Albert, but uh-huh. you really don't want to mess with me. If that makes sense. Like uh-huh. I love people. I get along really well with people, but yeah. No, but I've seen you angry. I, I know <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> no, definitely. Oh my gosh, Albert. We, we had really good times back at our other job. Yeah. <laughs> COVID. <laughs> Oh man, it's it's been a wild ride. Like, uh, like I have not had a good year in any sense of the definition. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm still alive and all my family's still alive, which is like a big plus. Like, I as depressing and cynical as I might be, like being alive is pretty dope, and I like it. So I'd like to stay that way for as long as possible. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm totally with you on that. All right, ooh, okay. So I got a small list and I want to hear from you. Oh my gosh, the the man that does not fully rely on zodiac signs is doing a podcast up, well, ending a podcast episode talking about zodiac signs. Okay, Life awesome. <laughs> I just I had to ask you, Mihenta, if you just knew Albert like in real life the way I do. Like I'm not saying I know him entirely, because I mean 
you know, you can only know so much of a person, but I'm not kidding you. Like just ask Albert a bunch of stuff. And it's like, he just knows things, you know, he just knows things. I know things. <laughs> Literally. Okay. So first one, strength, you are fair minded and social. I'm not social in the least bit. I hate people so much. Like, don't <laughs> talk to me. If you see me out on the streets, like, pretend you've never even heard of me. Like, I hate that so much. Cooperative. So, Cooperative is another strength. I can be. I mean, I, I, I'm, I like to think of myself as, like, especially in the workplace, I'm, like, I'm very much, like, a team player. So I can see that one. I remember that. Ooh, okay. This one's the weaknesses. You, you did mention this early on in the episode. Self-pity. And Michelle hoped you out with that. Yeah, yeah, I, I do be like that sometimes. <laughs> I am a um, bad boy. <laughs> okay, carry grudges? Honestly, no, not in the least bit. Like, I'm very much like a person who believes in, like, not hating anybody. Like, I think that, like, having hatred in your heart is giving the other person too much power. You know what I mean? And it's like not even coming from a place of like, oh, I'm better than hating anybody because I'm not. I'm like a super flawed person. But like also like, but don't give that person all that like control. Because like once you start hating somebody, you like almost like put them up on this like reverse pedestal. Like instead of them being like the greatest person, they're like the evilest, most like conniving, most controlling, like all of these things. And it's like, we all just people, man. Like nobody's, (laughs) nobody's deserving of hatred, even like the worst people. No, of course. Oh my gosh. I love how you also just put that together. Cause it's like, you just make people think, cause you know, things Albert. All right. Now your likes, I'm only naming a couple. Okay. okay so your likes are harmony, outdoors and gentleness. I mean, I am a pretty mellow, chill person. I like hiking. Like if you ever look at my Insta feed, it's like all me at like national parks and my dog. I don't take my dog to my na- to the national parks because you shouldn't do that. And I see people taking dogs to parks all the time. Don't do that, people. It's bad for the environment. But um, yeah, I can see that. What was the? Okay, so I got like super zoned in on the outside. What was the other <laughs> one? <laughs> Gentleness and harmony, which it's it's there. It's yeah, there. I'm a I'm a chill mellow person. Like I don't like conflict. I don't I don't like you know when things get like heated. Like I'm a mellow dude. I love that. My gosh. I wonder if Michelle's over here hearing this. I wonder if she's laughing because we're talking about your Zodiac sign. <laughs> nah, she's straight knocked out. She had a hard day at work today. Oh, pobrecita. I feel that. I feel that. All right. Your dislikes. Violence, injustice, loudmouths, and and being too comfortable. Yeah, like being too comfortable, like that's how you stagnate. Like if you stop growing as a person, like don't do that. Like don't. And then... Yeah, like I hate injustice. Like if you ever listen to my music, like it's all just me like yelling about the government because <laughs> it'd be bad out here. And like I have nothing nice to say about the government. I don't hate them. I don't have hatred in my heart. I pity a lot of the people in charge. But like, yeah, it's there's a lot to be angry about right now. No, I agree 100%. And then, well, yeah, you dislike violence and loud mouths. I guess that's people that just talk a lot of mean things right somebody who's just i mean don't run your mouth like you know know when to stay quiet you know yes that's the best see he just knows things he knows how to word things i don't (laughs) i mean if i learned anything with my super helpful philosophy degree is words yes and how to learn things learning like 
never stop learning. Like even if you stop, you know, with your, you know, formal academic pursuits, like never stop learning things. Like the moment that you stop, you might as well be dead. Like you're no longer experiencing, you know, the human condition at its fullest. No, like, of course. Cow or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. So Albert, I have to ask, what have you learned from being on Cafecito con Estrellita podcast? I mean, I don't know. I've, I've, I mean, I relearned that, like, I love having conversations with you. Like, yo, we need to do this again sometime because this is a good time. And we can have a wine night with Michelle and Luna, myself. Hey, that sounds like a good time. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm starting to run out of juice. Like, I know I sounded like I knew what I was talking about <laughs> for like the majority of this time. But at this point, my brain is like, hey, you know that you don't actually know what you're talking about, right? <laughs> but you do because they're your experiences. True. Very true. That individuals can either learn from or resonate with. Yes, of course. You know, <laughs> that's why I love bringing individuals on like yourself because representation matters so much. And there are so many first gen gente that literally are in your shoes or were like, where you were before, like working full-time, school full-time, and it's a struggle. It is hard out here. No, definitely. So, Albert, before we conclude this episode, because obviously you're special, and I gave you pretty much an hour, and I did that on purpose, <laughs> I did want to ask if if there's anything else you'd like to say or any socials you want to drop so people could connect with you and just all that good stuff. Yeah, for sure. You can follow me on IG at forever neon black that's a whole one word forever neon black that's where i post a lot of music it's like all i do as i said before is just like complain about the government but we also like talk a lot about mental health it's me and my homie tom and we both bring you know like our unique experiences to our music you know me from the mexican-american side and then him you know the black experience which is you know this whole entire th different thing but like we vibe and we have you know we have a good time Uh, you can also follow me personally. Uh, that's at St. Gavi, which is S-A-Y-N-T-G-A-V-I. Awesome. I love it. All right, mi gente. So that concludes this interview episode. Please don't forget to subscribe and review the podcast on any platform that you listen to your podcast to. And I'll talk to you soon.